Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor. Don't like your odds? Enjoy daily bet boosts on your favourite sports and make your best bet now at betvictor.com. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. For over 10 years, Grammarly has been powered by AI technology that you trust and rely on by helping you across all the places where you write the most. With one click, you can easily brainstorm, rewrite, and reply quickly with suggestions based on your context and goals. Accelerate productivity for you and your teams. More than 30 million people rely on Grammarly to help them with their writing today. Applying to new jobs? With Grammarly by your side, you can apply to your dream job with confidence by tailoring your cover letter and revising your resume in seconds. A big presentation coming up? Let Grammarly create a personalized outline to get you organized so you can transform your ideas into a compelling presentation. For your next vacation, it can help you create a whole itinerary. Grammarly is here to assist you at every step of your writing so you can show up with confidence. You'll be amazed at what you can do. Go to Grammarly.com slash go to download for free. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash go. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of VAR at the Bar. I'm your host today, I'm Dan and I'm joined by... I'm Ann. And I'm Chris. Good to see you both, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, can't complain. Uh, footy's back now, isn't it? So you can't complain of anything now. That's it, Premier League's upon us. You excited? It doesn't really feel like it's ever gone away to be honest. <laughs> it came last time. Something like 30 odd days, isn't it? Yeah, we've barely had a break, let alone the poor players. <laughs> Exactly. But Premier League's back and uh, fantasy football's back. So we've put together VAR at the Bar Fantasy Football League. Uh, we've advertised details of that on our Facebook page, VAR at the Bar. On Twitter, our handle's VAR at the Bar 1. If you do really well in the fantasy football, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. So do join in. Yeah, we've got about 40 teams at the moment. So hopefully to get it into the 50s would be great. And obviously, we'll give um, updates on how we're doing against each other as well. Um, unless I yeah. lose it, and then we'll keep <laughs> still sore about yeah, last yeah, season. Still was captain this week. <laughs> oh. Right. So on the agenda for this week, we're going to kick things off by looking at the top ten Premier League signings from the 2019-2020 season, and I'm going to put my latest entry in for the good, the bad, the obscure. Chris is going to update us with a bit of Warnock watch. 
Then we'll give our top five Premier League ones to watch for the new season. We'll give you our predictions for the top six places and who's going to be relegated. Then we'll finish off with a quiz. Sounds good to me. All right. So the top 10 Premier League signings of the 2019-2020 season. So how have you found this list, guys? Certainly a lot easier than the list we had last week. Rivalries, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I want to give us a bit of a break, give us an easier one. Uh, There's a limited number of transfers, so I thought we can just uh, work our way through them, put them in some kind of order, and then we can have a bit of a chat about it. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right then, Chris. Do you want to kick us off with your number 10, please? Yeah, go on then. I'll start off with Ant's favourite second team, a player from that, (laughs) Sheffield United, and that's Linz Moussat, French striker, ex-Bournemouth. Joined uh, Sheffield United from, uh, like I say, Bournemouth for 10 million. Uh, Made 30 appearances last season, six goals, four assists. Also, ex-French under-21 international, where he scored in eight games, five goals. And in three seasons at Bournemouth beforehand, he only scored three goals in 56 appearances. I think this one came a bit out of the box. He came, he, he sort of scored the majority of his goals, I think, before Christmas, then got a hamstring injury and was just working his way back into fitness. And then uh, after afterwards, he sort of struggled to get into the first team. But I rated him there, put him there, because I just think that that sort of um, figures at the end of the season is, is pretty good, especially from a newly promoted team as well. I think... A couple more would have put him obviously higher on my list. Um, seen him play a couple of times. He's pacey, strong, um, quite a good finisher, but probably just needs a bit more work on that. But that's why I put him at my number ten. Oh, nice one, Chris. That was a bit of a bit of a surprise to me actually. Um, he wasn't really on my radar for um, goal scoring, certainly. But yeah, you've uh, obviously looked at his all-round contribution and the fact that he got injured. You've taken that into consideration as well. Yeah. Oh, good start. Interesting. And what's your number ten? Uh, my number ten is uh, Gary Cahill, Crystal Palace. Ah. So obviously they signed him on a free. He's obviously an old head. He's very experienced. Um, get some stability in. Um, he ended up captaining the team on five occasions, and they won four out of those five. The only one they lost was to Liverpool. Um, he only played twenty-five games. But he was part of the Palace team that put together a four-game winning streak, admittedly with a um, COVID-19 break in the middle, um, in which they didn't concede. And that put them within four points of a uh, Europa League place. So I just thought for a free transfer, a team like Palace, I thought it was a very shrewd bit of business. So that's why I put him at 10. Yeah, it's a good shout. It's so important for Palace, isn't it, that they keep it tight at the back so they don't score too many goals. They haven't got much going forwards, have they? Exactly, yeah. No, that's a good shout. All right, my number 10. I've gone for Eric Peters. So that was a Burnley signing, £1 million from Stoke. So he's very experienced, played in the Premier League for Newcastle and Stoke, uh, former Dutch international. He's uh, played at both left-back and right-back. And he even ended up playing for Burnley on the right wing towards the end of last season, amidst an injury crisis. So with all that experience and versatility, 
he actually became a really valuable member of the team. Uh, he ended up with four assists for them as well. So I'll put him as my number 10. Four assists as well. I didn't, didn't think he was that much of a assist kind of guy. If that's a good one, that is. He is pretty, bo- pretty good at delivering the ball. He is. He's a good player. Yeah. So one million pounds, you can't really argue with that. Mine today's climate, no. Well, Burnley haven't got all these millions to spend, so they have to be uh, quite shrewd. Yeah. Right, Chris, who's your number nine? If they still Tarkowski. Oh, yeah, good point. And Dwight yeah. McNeil. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, my number number nine uh, was going to be Joe Linton. Any joking? No. <laughs> <laughs> So I just wanted just to see you guys' reaction and everyone else that's listening. I don't know. Sometimes you do pull out a wild card, Chris. So I wouldn't put it on. That would have been one hell of a wild card. I'd have had to have dug deep for some positives on that one. <laughs> About twenty million um, per goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll be honest. I mean, the one I have got um, will surprise you. That is probably that low down. But I've gone with Harry Maguire. Has it, has I have number eight, Chris, if that makes you feel better. Okay. I've left him off my list altogether, so <laughs> <laughs> deliberately, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, on my notes here, I have put, uh, he was obviously signed from um, Leicester to Man U for 80 mil. He he played every Premier League game, actually bugged a goal and got an assist, um, but with 13 clean sheets as well for Man U. He's then made the captain. Did a bit of looking at his stats and he was fourth in heady clearances, 12th in clearances and blocks and third in passing, which was quite surprising. Obviously, solid defender, uh, enjoys playing the ball from the back, which is why obviously his passing was so high. Very good in the air, obviously through his nickname Slabhead by Mr. Vardy. But I've put in that line obviously for the amount of money, but it's very unspectacular, really. He didn't really sort of do any massive performances that all sort of went, wow, Man U have actually bought an absolute sort of um, quality player. He is very consistent, but he's no sort of Van Dyke, which I would have put in that sort of figure. So that's why I put him slightly lower. I don't know whether you can add anything to it and for your number eight. No, not really, mate. I mean, you've said pretty much what I had. Um, Man United did have the third best goals against last season, so that's obviously he's obviously a huge part of that. So, yeah, I think he's... I'm not sure he's fully justified his price tag, but uh, he didn't have a bad season by any stretch of imagination. Yeah, I have to agree with you both on that. He's uh, he's done well. Man United have had a good season uh, with him at the back. He's certainly helped them. But is he the £80 million centre-back that they thought they were getting? A Man United improve that much? I'd say possibly not. But um, he's had a good season and he's definitely made a difference to that team. Yeah. Okay. And who have you got at number um, nine, Ant? My number nine, I've gone with Kieran Tierney. Ooh, uh, I've got him a bit higher up on my list. Oh, okay. I was surprised anyone else actually had him, to be honest. Um, okay. Do you want to talk about it now or do you want to. Yeah, yeah, talk on? about it now. I've put him at number two on my list. Oh, okay. Right, fair enough. Um, I, do, I haven't actually written that much about him, only that uh, he obviously had a very difficult start due to injuries, um, but he has become a very key player under um, Arteta. 
and he's capable of playing left back, left wing back, centre back. Um, he never ever stops running from what I've when, when I've seen him play, um, and he's become massively popular with the fans. And I think if if Arsenal can keep him fit, I think he'll be um, he'll be a great left back in the Premiership. And he, he reminds me a lot of um, Nigel Winterburn. <laughs> <laughs> From his performances I've seen post-lockdown in particular, I thought that he looked absolutely solid. There was a lot of pace there. Not many people could get by him. He was, he was a rock in defence, and he was quite keen to get into the box as well. He looked to put the balls in, and, and he's quite versatile, like you said. He's played centre-back quite a lot, so the left-sided centre-back on a three. And then he can also play left-back, left-wing-back. He looks very comfortable in all of those roles. Uh, the reason I've put him at number two on my list is that I think they've got the defender that's going to be there for a number of years and is going to be a top, top left back in the league. I think they've got an absolute steal there at 25 million. Good one there. I've totally forgot him, to be honest. Um, I know he got injured, didn't he, early on in the, the season. Yeah. He had a lot of time out. And obviously, he's, like I said, post-lockdown, he's, he's been very solid. He seems like he really wants to play for the shirt as well. Yeah. Um, seems like a real fan's favourite. So, no, that's a good one there. Okay. Uh, that brings you on to nine, number nine. I've gone for Jordan Ayew, the Crystal Palace striker. He was on loan at Palace the season before, but then they paid £2.5 million last summer to make him a permanent sign-in. And he's uh, had quite an impact there. He scored nine Premier League goals of the team's total of 31. So he's got a third of their goals. Uh, Wilfred Zahar was a little bit disappointing with his form last season, in my opinion. And I think it's a, it's a good job they signed Ayu because they would have been struggling massively without him. Because I think Zaha gets double teamed, double marked for a lot of games. Have you got any thoughts on Jordan Ayu? Is he on your list? Uh, he, was, um, he, he was on my list. He, he was actually at number 10 until I realised that they signed Gary Cahill that season, so I took him out. Uh, yeah, you made some very valid points. <laughs> yeah. He's, a, he's an awkward player to play against. You can see he's, he's got very energetic. He's good at holding up the ball. Perfectly um, a good strike partner, you could say, for Zaha as well. Yeah, um, he's quite skillful as well, Jordan. Yeah. Um, to get someone with his talents for 2.5 million, that's a good bit of business. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, he didn't really strike goal, did he, at Villa? Didn't really work out for him there. It might have been the way that they played as well. Um, and, it just and, seems like and who he's playing there. with. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was just trying to be nice, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be nice to Villa. <laughs> but no, no that's, that's another good one. Good shout there. Right, we're on to number eight now, Chris. Yeah, this one's actually Aloni, um, and this is Ingalo, um, Man United. I'll put him there because, I'll be honest with you, I thought when I f- first heard about the link, that was a joke. That I, I even, I think, said on the podcast that, man, you were really clutching at straws to get him, to get someone of his sort of stature that's probably a few pegs down from who they would normally get. He he made 19 appearances last year. He actually scored um, all his goals in cup competitions um, <laughs> and got one assist. Uh, he, he obviously joined Man United. He's a massive fan as a boy. Um, and he's a bit of an old-school striker, really, isn't he? But jack-in-the-box, get the loose ball in, very good in the air. Reminds me a bit of a sort of a, a Jermaine Defoe. 
obviously he had that good half season at Watford before before he decided to go to to China. Um, and I, that's why I put him at number eight. I mean, they, they've I don't know have they signed him permanently now, Man United. No, no, he's still on loan. He's still on loan because I know they were looking at, at that, but I think I guess figures were a bit different to what the Chinese club wanted and what Man U wanted to pay. But I just think he's quite a good player to bring on for the last couple of minutes, good last 20, 25 minutes. He's he's, he's quite um, skillful as well, good at holding up the ball, quite strong. And um, he seems like he really wants to do well in the Premier League now he's come back. I know he's took, obviously, went to China, got quite a lot of money out of it. But I think he wants to prove a point to a lot of people as well. And if he's at a club that he supports and it shows that he's quite passionate about it, then I think he will do quite well there. And that's why I put my mind in break. That's a really interesting pick, actually. Um, I'd, I'd sort of dismissed Igala because he, um, he didn't play too often and he was playing in the Europa League a lot. But you've just reminded me that he really fits a need for Man United in that role of someone coming off the bench. You need that fox in the box who can just stab the ball in from six yards. And he's, he's their number nine now, isn't he? They're coming off the bench. That's, uh, he, he reminds me a lot of the manager, obviously, what Oddie used to do. You know, that's exactly his sort of forte. And I think he probably saw a bit of himself in, in, in Garlo, and that's why he probably went for him. Yeah, good point. Oh, I like that one. So he's uh, someone that's not necessarily had an impact on the league yet, but he's uh, still a good signing. He brings something to the squad, doesn't he? Good one. Exactly. Okay. And, and was your number eight Maguire, did you say? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Okay. Uh, for my number eight, I've gone for Dean Henderson, loan signing at Sheffield United. Yeah. So, I actually and the second favourite team. Didn't, I didn't um, even think about him. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. That makes two of us, mate. I totally picked up. I, I think I assumed he'd been on a two-year loan, but I think yeah, it was two separate loans, wasn't it? Poor yeah. heads in shame, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to put him on. He gets a shout out then at number eight. Um, right, who who yeah. can I take off between seven and one? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Dean Anderson. Obviously, he had a very successful season at Sheffield United. They had a fantastic defensive record right up until the the lockdown period, and he was very reliable in goal, very safe pair of hands, and he's now right in contention for an England place based on his performances there. He's definitely made a big difference to that team. And Man United don't want to let him go out this season. They've uh, they've kept him on board to be competition for De Gea. So that's testament to his performances. Hopefully, Man United will play him. He's got to play. Wherever he is, he's got to play. He's he's too good to be sat on the bench somewhere, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one, what Man United are going to do with that. But that's another good one there. Totally forgot about him. Apologise to any uh, Sheffield (laughs) United fans and Man United fans about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris, what have you got at number seven? Number seven, um, Giovanni, Giovanni, sorry, Le Calso, Spurs. Um, Snap. Really? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, on loan from Betis, now made permanent. Uh, last season, 28 games, two assists. And he got two goals, but they're both in Europe. He's a versatile mid- midfielder. 
Um, I quite like him. He's a ball-winning player. He adds a bit of steel as well, which I think is what Spurs needed. Um, and Jose likes to play him in that sort of anchor role, sort of a bit pushing forward as well. He's just an all-round good player. He's got a good eye for a pass. Like I say, ball-winning midfielder. Uh, mainly left-footed as well, so he's always going to be pushing more to the left side. Um, and he's, like I say, because of his roots back from Argentina and played in Spain quite a lot, he's he's got, got a good pass on him, good range. Um, yeah, and that's why I put him at my number seven. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I was going to say about him was obviously when Poch signed him on loan, um, he made eight appearances and um, Poch kept playing him on left mid, uh, like left midfield, right wing, right midfield. Never played him down the middle. And then Jose came in and was like, you're playing down the middle. And he started, uh, I don't know if he started, he played eight out of the nine restart games in centre mid. And Mourinho was singing his praises left, right and centre after that. And he was actually considered by many to be an outside bet for Spurs player of the season. Um, but some got it, understandably. I have to agree with that. But I remember watching him after the lockdown and his performances were far better than what I'd seen earlier in the season. He looked like a different player. Um, playing through the middles obviously had a big impact on him. He looked uh, really determined, quite fiery. And he's a great passer of the ball. He, um, he's got good feet as well, very quick. He just looked a much better player than he did at the start of the season. So that's a good shout. You got him on your list. So my number seven, I've gone for Tariq Lamptey. Oh, yeah. For Chelsea, but to Brighton. That's right. Yeah, he, uh, he made one appearance for Chelsea. And then in the January transfer window, uh, Brighton snapped him up for four million pounds after he uh, he didn't sign a contract with Chelsea. They sold him. Uh, here's another one where again post lockdown he started uh, getting into the first team at Brighton, and he was just absolutely solid down that right flank. Very very pacey. Uh, players that uh, were played on the wing, pacey themselves, they couldn't get past him. He uh, he kept them in the box, and going forward as well. He got right to the byline. He covered that whole flank. And I think he's definitely one to watch. I think they've got a bargain there at £4 million. Yeah, I remember watching him against Leicester. He he absolutely bossed um, whoever's on the left for Leicester, didn't he? He sort of bullied him a bit. I think he won mm. man of the match as well. Yeah, um, you're right. He did bully him. Quite physical in that game, I remember. <laughs> and he's only short, small lad, lad as well. Yeah. Yes, he's short, isn't he? And small. But yeah, it's very physical style. And with that but that physicality and that speed, it uh, makes him quite quite difficult to beat. I think Lampard's missed a trick, though, with, with that. But if you're looking at one area that you probably want a bit of competition on as well, the right side of defence for them, you know, I'd probably have kept him. I'll have to see if there's a buyback clause. Oh, I'm sure there is somewhere down the line, if, he's, if they're sensible. Right, who's at number six, Chris? Yeah, I've gone with Sander Berger. Ah, yeah. Sheffield United, any any of you guys think that? No, No, I didn't put him on in the end, no. He was bought for £22 from Genk, which was a record signing. Um, He only managed 14 um, games, one goal, one um, one assist. Um, He actually was going due to join um, Sheffield United in the summer, but 
Um, it never happened, unfortunately. Uh, but again, another one of my holding midfielders that likes to push forward. Uh, he's quite tall, so he's very good in the air. Very direct as well. Got a lot of energy. And he, like I say, likes to push forward. Um, with the random formation that Sheffield United sort of play that no one seems to know, he can end up at one minute being playing right wing. The next minute you're seeing him sort of coming through from centre midfield. I think due to just his height, he's just such a big figure as well. For 22 years old, he seems like he's got quite a wise head on his shoulders as well. Um, yeah, so that's why I put him at number six. That's another good shout. He's uh, he's definitely got a lot of potential, hasn't he? We saw glimpses of it last season. He played the odd, really good performance. Put in the odd, good performance. Uh, but there were times where I thought he looked a little bit lost uh, in that midfield and that formation. But I can see why you've put him on that list as a top signing. He definitely has got a lot of potential. On a personal mm-hmm. note, I'm a bit sad because he's taken John Lundstrom off and he used to be my little uh, nifty one on the Fantasy Football League. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> about 22 million others, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, most Sheffield United players are probably a bit lost with the formation because uh, no one knows what formation he's playing. <laughs> good point. <laughs> no, that's a good one. All right, and who have you got at number six? Uh, number six, I've gone Aaron Wambasaka. Snap. I've gone with him at number four. Okay. So he signed for fifty million. Um, he's part of that back line that we spoke about earlier that only conceded thirty-six goals last season. Um, Liverpool conceded thirty-three. Man City conceded thirty-five. He made the most tackles during the season with 129 and the most blocks, 101. So I think he's more or less earned his price tag, I think. I think he's been a really good right back. Yeah, totally uh, agree. Uh, anything you guys can add on that? Well, he's rock solid, isn't he? Uh, when, when, when the strikers run down, sorry, when the wingers run down that flank, he just sticks to them like glue. No one gets by him. And he's, he's so good at being a foot in, getting the tackling. And then the attacking side of his game as well. He really does put get to the edge of the box and put the balls in. He's really improving on that side of the game. Uh, he's just solid. For me, I'd, I'd make him England's number one right back with his all-round game, especially with his defensive qualities. If we want to progress against the top teams in Europe and in, in the World Cups, we need to defend at that position better. And I think he's the man for the job. I was saying, I'm uh, surprised he's not been given a call up in, yet into the squad. Um, but obviously, there's so much competition on that side, isn't there, at the moment, that he seems to be the unlucky one that gets left out. But like I said, I echo what you, you two all, all said. That it's just very consistent, isn't it? You know what you're going to get from him each game. I'm also quite pleased that all three of us put him above Maguire. <laughs> yes. You don't like Maguire, do you? I, I, you know, I actually do like him. Um, what I don't like is that uh, he gets so much praise and he's not the finished product that everyone thinks he is. What's your number five, Chris? Thomas Shusak from West Ham. Another, oh, yeah. another central midfielder on loan up, um, from Sparta Prague in January. Now has moved for 20 mil. Yeah, so in the he played for twelve games to finish off the season. Actually, scored three goals from that position. 
his height has helped him quite a lot. He's six foot four, um, and he's already top of the charts for winning the most headers as a midfielder and most aerial duels. I find him obviously he's quite mid. He plays defensive mid, but has a lot of energy, so he covers a lot of ground and pushes up, and which is equals to why he's got quite a lot of goals. And I think he was probably quite a major part, as well as Antonio's goals, that West Ham sort of stayed up. He seemed to be very positive whenever he had the ball. Not, not, no fear really. If he had the ball, he tried to at least play it forward um, to the front line. And I, I remember watching him at Anfield. Um, I think when they lost three two, and he was very positive in that game. And um, that's why I put him at number five. You don't get many defensive midfielders that go one in three get um, three games with goals as well. So, yeah, it's dangerous in the box, isn't it? Yeah, set pieces. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, and what's your number five? My number five is uh, Bruno Fernandez. Okay. I'm sure he's probably higher on your list. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave him. We'll move on. Okay. Oh, no, come on. Let's, just talk, let's talk about him now. All right. Fine. Cool. Um, so, obviously, he was signed in January um, and he played 14 games in the Premier League. He scored eight goals and assisted seven times. And it's, I think it's fair to say he, he has turned Manchester United around since his transfer. And he, he does certainly look the part. Um, the reason I've put him at five is because as I was going through my five to one, I decided that based on the whole season, I would put him at five because he only played half season. Fair enough. That was my logic. No, that's, <laughs> no, that's fine. Did you um, have him on your list, Chris? I did. He's my number two. What about yourself? I've put him at number three. But I have to admit, I was a little bit torn on this because, like Hans said, he's only played 14 games. And I felt that his last three games of the season, it was actually quite poor. And he didn't have much influence in those three games. So I'm not, I'm not sold on him yet, if I'm honest. I'm not convinced he's going to be influencing every single game he plays. I think uh, he just looked tired. I think Solskjaer, after the restart, he, he just found a, he found a formation or a team that worked. And he seemed to play it week in, week out. And there was no rotation. I'm thinking these, these players must be knackered. You, you could be right. He didn't rotate well. He might have been tired. That's a good point. Number three on my list. He uh, he got eight goals, seven assists, like you said. The first Man United player to win back-to-back Player of the Month awards since Ronaldo. No fact for you there. But um, he's, he's definitely had a big impact on that team. Man United would not be playing Champions League football without the sign of Bruno Fernandes. I think that's a pretty fair statement. I mean, that would be the eight goals, four of penalties as well. Um, which tends to say a lot. Not not being rude to him, he has to score them. Obviously, um, I don't like his run up for penalties. I think <laughs> I think it's brilliant. He's he's got this system where he can literally go either way at the very very last second. It, it's like well, funny you said that. Funny you said that because I've got found here that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has revealed that Bruno Fernandez practices four different ways of taking penalties as well. So this is sort of, it's not something that is just strung up from the air. It's something he practices rigorously. Yeah, and I, I agree with what you two say um, about the placement. 
I wouldn't have put him number one. I know I put him number two, but just purely because of him not being a full season. He's actually had in those 14 um, games, 18 got shots on target, eight through balls um, in those games as well. But but yeah, just need to see how he does in a full season. And then we can probably really see what, 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 he's, what he's like, isn't it? You can't really go on someone on half a season, I guess, to say he's the best transfer. Yeah, yeah take, I think that's a fair balance view. Okay. okay, for my number five, I've gone for Alan Sant-Maximan. He's my number three. Oh, he, he was considered by me, but I left him off in the end. Fair enough. Now, um, when I looked at his stats, they weren't too impressive. I think he only managed three Premier League goals last season. But when you watch his performances, I do think he's the one player in that Newcastle team who was really electrifying. His pace really made a difference to that team. And even though he's the only pacey player going forward in that Newcastle front line, the team still couldn't handle him. He was very dynamic on the ball, very direct, and I think he really brought something to that Newcastle team. So that's why I've put him for number five, the impact he's had there. It reminds me of a Festino Espulia there, to an extent. The way he's on the ball, when he's good, he's absolutely brilliant. He just lacks that final product every single, not every time, but just that, you know, sort of five, five out of ten times, it's good. But then that other five, it just needs to sort of sharpen up a bit. I think they I think they've got an absolute gem there, Newcastle have. If he if he gets things right, say he reminds me of how Torre was when Wolves first bought him and then they sharpened him up and he's become this this beast. And I think it's a similar thing with um Saint Maximum as well. Um he actually made the third most dribbles in the whole of Europe, only behind Torre and Neymar which I thought right. was an interesting stat. It is, yeah. Um, but but like, like you sometimes see, when he gets the ball, sometimes I think that he doesn't know what he's going to do and he just sort of just, <laughs> he just tries to wing it, doesn't he? I mean, if you see, sometimes he scores some absolutely spectacular goals, like um, in the FA Cup against Oxford, I think they got taken to extra time and he scored an absolute thunderbolt after about 120-odd minutes. But then you have other games where he just can't do anything right. But he, he seems like he's a real fan of Newcastle as well. And I think it would take quite a lot um, for him to leave. Because um, I think he loves the fans and the interaction that he has with them. And we just have to see how it goes next year, I guess, really, for him. Watch him end up at Arsenal next week now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we better get this pod out quickly then. <laughs> Okay. All right, so that's my number five. Uh, where did you put him on your list again, Chris? Um, he was number three for me. Okay. Um, my number four was uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Yep. Okay. Um, and have we touched on your number four yet? Uh, we have not, no. Uh, my mm. number four is Christian Pulisic. Oh, Okay. I know I've cheated a bit because technically he was signed yeah. season before, but he didn't actually move until this season. So, All right, we'll let you off. End the rules a bit in this one. <laughs> so he had a bit of a slow start, um, but then by October he started to show a bit of promise and he became the first Chelsea player to score a perfect hat-trick since Drogba when he backed three against Burnley. 
Um, he ended the season with 11 goals and 10 assists in all competitions. Um, and you only have to watch the the Liverpool Chelsea game after the after the restart. You just I know Liverpool's fans aren't the best, but they were still the best last season. They can see the least. He absolutely walks through them like they weren't there. Um, and he just has this. I noticed something. He has this look that he doesn't want to be the guy who like grabs Chelsea by the scruff of their neck. But yeah, that's what he seems to do every time he plays. And I think he's just, especially after the restart, I think he's going to be an important player for Chelsea this year if he can get in the team. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of Pulisic. Yeah. He's, uh, he's he's so quick with close control, so direct coming in from the edge of the box. He he's a massive threat for Chelsea. He's a very valuable player and a great signing for them. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Just needs a good injury-free run, doesn't he? I think to show his real quality, um, and then then you can really judge him. Then, but I think if he if they stay fit. Well, if he stays fit, I think Chelsea will be there or thereabouts. He just needs to uh, get in the team week in, week out because the man players Chelsea are bought. They're <laughs> all going to have to up their game this season. Indeed. Right, my number four, I've gone for Danny Ings. He's my number, number one. one. <laughs> number one. <laughs> oh yeah. I can't say I'm shocked. To be fair. Okay. Well, um, I've I've poured him at number four. Uh, he's obviously he had a great season at Southampton. He was on loan there the year before, but they made the deal permanent. They paid twenty pounds to million twenty million pounds to Liverpool last summer, and then he's went on to score twenty two goals in thirty eight games last season, which is uh, an amazing contribution for a team like Southampton. If you cast your mind back to the 9-0 defeat at Leicester last year, Southampton were looking like they were going to get relegated. And Ings hadn't really got many goals at that point. Uh, but if you look at his performances that came after that, he's, he's really the driving force to them going up the table. He's made a huge impact there. I, think I agree with you. I mean, he, a lot of people do sort of... Imp- Injuries that he had in the past as well would have probably have given up football. That two cruciate ligaments, wasn't it? One on each leg after each other. Um, yeah, I think I thought it was a massive gamble by Southampton to pay twenty million for him, but yeah. you know, it's at the moment it's paying off. Big time. Probably strong, pacey striker who, with confidence, is probably one of the most threatening strikers in the Premier League, isn't he? When when he's playing with confidence. So an interesting stat last season that uh, I think it was Southampton were second behind Liverpool for the most presses as a team. And I think that Ings really fits into that playing style really, really well. I think what's what's important with Ings last season was the first time ever he's played every game of the season. Yeah. Because um, obviously Liverpool, I think he only played like 14 times because of the injuries. I don't think he managed a full season at Burnley or um, wherever he was before that, Bournemouth. And he's become the first player to hit 20-plus goals for the Southampton since Latisse <laughs> and James Beattie. Yeah, and I'm glad he's got the England call-up as well. 
just a shame he was only used for 20 odd minutes in the two games but alright so that I had that as Danny Ings as my number four yeah. uh, Chris we've done your number three haven't we uh, yeah um, Alan St. Maximum who did you have at three Ant? Matteo Kovacic ah okay so I know he was on loan for a couple of years. He was a bit underwhelming. And then they signed him permanently last season. Um, and he went on to get their player of the season. He's, every time I watch him, he's just got this sense of calmness about him. Um, he can keep the ball. He can dribble it out from dangerous areas. You know, he's especially when other teams are pressing high. He's, he's just calm personified every time. I know he, like, he doesn't score many. He doesn't probably assist many. But... <clears throat> Excuse me. He's. I just think he's. He's just a steady, steady ship, and obviously he's kept Kante out of the team. So, yeah, that's sort of testament to him as well. Yeah, that's a good pick. I mean, I see that under Lampard, he's been a lot more attacking as well. He's had the bit more um, of a license to go a bit up, a bit further up the pitch as well, which has seemed to improve his game as well. Yeah, that's a good pick. He, he wasn't on my uh, radar, to be honest. I think I've missed one there. He's, uh, I remember watching a few games where he just bossed the show. It was uh, quality. So, no, that's a good one. So, my number three was Bruno Fernandes. Who was your number two, Chris? Uh, my number two was Bruno Fernandes as well. Oh, okay, again. and who was your number two? Uh, Raul Jimenez. Another loan, come permanent. Oh, okay. He's my number one. Okay, I'll let you talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, like you say, loan signing that became permanent. And it's not really a surprise that it became permanent uh, after he had such a successful first season with Wolves. He's spearheaded that attack because um, they only play with the uh, the one centre forward and they have the two wide players that uh, feed him with service. But last season, 17 goals in 38 Premier League appearances. I think he's just so valuable to that Wolves team. And now it's not a surprise this summer that top teams around Europe and around the world have been interested in him because he's, uh, he's the just the archetype of what a number nine striker should be. He's in the box. He's a big target man. He can hold the ball up. And he's also good with his feet as well. He's got such a great all-round game. I think that Wolves have got one of the best strikers in the world at the minute. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he scored, he scored 27 goals in all competitions and he got Wolves to a Europa League called final. I know, it, was it him that missed the penalty? It was unfortunate, <laughs> but, you know, it's been a long season by that point. Mm. Yeah, like I say, he, he is an absolute, he's probably the best number nine in the Premiership. I'd, I'd put him up with Kane, if I'm honest. At the minute. Okay, so that was your uh, your number two, Ant. Uh, my number two was Kieran Tierney. Uh, Chris, who have you got at number one? Danny uh, my, my number one was Danny Ings, yeah. Okay, and then your number one? I had, I had Daniel Ings as well at number one. Okay, and then I had him as... So that's it. That's our top ten. Well, we've got, again, about the same sort of uh, people on our list, haven't we, for the top three, more or less? Yeah. Um, we, had a, we had some interesting ones at the bottom of the list, and then they all sort of converge when we get to the top. It seems to be a... A bit of a theme, but uh, I think I, I think it's good that we're all sort of uh, thinking along the same lines. <laughs> On the same page.
And Southampton have asked the pertinent question since half time. And Danny Ings gets them back on level terms. 20th Premier League goal of the season for him. Beautifully taken. First Southampton player into the 20s in the Premier League since James Beattie in 2003. Alright, so next up is the good, the bad, the obscure. And this week, my nomination is Winston Bogard. Alright. Do you remember him? I remember him, yeah. Yeah, ex-Chelsea. Well, you couldn't really say he played for Chelsea because he didn't much, did he? He got paid by Chelsea. I don't know if he played for <laughs> <laughs> Right, so you can see where this is going then. Okay, so just a bit of background on him. He made 20 appearances for the Dutch national team between 1995 and 2000. He uh, started at Euro 96 under Gus Hiddink, and he was also picked for the squad at World Cup 98. He started off as a winger, actually, at Sparta Rotterdam, and he, uh, he actually scored 11 goals in a season there in his early years. But then he got his big move to Ajax in 1994, and with them, he won two league titles. He won the Champions League. He was on the bench in that final in 94-95 season. And then won the Intercontinental Cup and the UEFA Super Cup after that as well. After Ajax, he moved on to Milan in 1997. He only had a short stay there where he made three appearances. And then he was uh, snapped up by Barcelona in 1998. He made 41 appearances for them under Louis van Gaal. And he won two La Liga titles, a Copa del Rey, and a UEFA Super Cup. And in 2000, he moved on to Chelsea, like you said. He uh, was signed by, apparently it was director of football, Colin Hutchinson, without the knowledge of manager Gianluca Vialli. Uh, One week after he signed, Vialli was sacked. And he was succeeded by Claudio Ranieri. And after one week in the job, Ranieri told Bogard that he could look for another club. <laughs> one week of training was enough. He'd seen enough. <laughs> However, according to Bogard, it would have been next to impossible for a team to offer him a contract comparable to the one he had at Chelsea. He was astounded by the salary that Chelsea had agreed on, which was a four-year deal paying him £40,000 a week which uh, was quite a lot of money back in the year 2000. Chelsea attempted to sell Bogard, but due to his large salary, uh, they weren't able to do so. Uh, They even went as far as to demote him down to the reserve team and even the youth teams to train with them in order to force him to leave the club. However, Bogard decided to stay and he wanted to honour his contract to the letter and appear for training every day, despite rarely being selected. Bogard said that he would have gone out on loan, but Chelsea insisted that his full wage had to be paid. Uh, clubs apparently came in for him and offered to pay 70% of his salary, but Chelsea said, no, the other 30% has to be paid as well. If you want to take him on loan, it's 100% or nothing. So after playing as a substitute against Ipswich Town on Boxing Day in the year 2000, Bogard only played one more competitive match before his contract expired in July 2004. <laughs> Graham Lasso said... As a player, he seemed to have very little desire to achieve anything. It was all about what he had done at Barcelona and Ajax and not what he could achieve with Chelsea. In different ways, we all tried to motivate him, but he appeared to have other things going on in his life and lacked focus. He put a lot of weight on at Chelsea, 
I'd have been embarrassed to be in that shape as a professional, but he didn't seem to care. So over the course of his four years at Chelsea, Bogard was paid £10 million, despite making very few appearances. He received a lot of criticism in the press, to which he responded, Chelsea offered me a contract, I signed the contract, so what's the problem? Why should I throw €15 million away when it's already mine? At the moment I signed it, it was my money, my contract. This world is about money, so when you're offered those millions, you take them. Few people will ever earn so many. I'm one of the few fortunates who do. I may be one of the worst buyers in Premiership history, but I don't care. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in some ways, can you blame him? Don't go from his money. It's a bit like Jack Rodwell, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I personally, I don't like him myself. I think if, if you're a football player, you surely you want to play football. Then why, why are you going to sit there getting paid money to do nothing but yeah, I remember reading about when he got relegated down to like the youth team past reserves down to like under 19s and he's like he said he just turned up to training with I mean he's an ex-winner isn't he ex-Champions League winner you yeah. wouldn't be doing that it's ridiculous madness where did he end up after Chelsea he retired oh did he okay yeah he just got fat playing for the reserves teams and then that was it. <laughs> I remember reading some articles um, say, stating that he lived in the Netherlands and that he used to fly in to training every day, turn up to train with the youth team and then fly home. But uh, I, saw, I saw an interview where Bogard said that that wasn't true. But it well, just only really... on Monday and Fridays, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was just absolutely farcical. Signed for all that money, and then he just doesn't play, doesn't want to play. It's shocking. Incredible. Right, I tell you one manager that wouldn't take that, and that's Neil Warnock. Oh yeah, go on then, Chris. That guy would not take any any of that. I tell you, it'd be Rudy Gastet all over again. <laughs> anyway, just moving on to a quick roundup of Warnock watch. I'll just get the admin stuff done first. So his first um, five games in charge are coming up. So in the league, he's got Watford away. Not a good start. Then he's at home in the League Cup against Barnsley. Then at home against Bournemouth. Then QPR away. And then Barnsley at home again, but this time in the league. Um, He's brought in three uh, new signings, Sam Morsey from uh, Wigan, Grant Hall from uh, QPR, he's a defender, I think he was QPR's captain at the time, and uh, Cole Kernan, who's a striker from Sunderland. And he also um, got Marcus Bettinelli from um, Fulham um, on loan. He's He was actually the guy that got Fulham promoted or was in goal at the time, so I think that's a bit of a coup for him which then leads me into this story um, that Warnock had about a nice pond somewhere in Middlesbrough, which I call. So he says, somebody told me about a nice pond somewhere. I'm not going to tell you where. I looked on my map and said, that's quite near that. So I set off from Rockcliffe and I found the pond. It was a little bit further than I thought. 
I had a look round and thought, this is good enough for me. I loved it. Unfortunately, it got dark and I got lost. 35 miles I ended up doing. I was near Scotch Corner at one point. I ended up biking back. I was cream crackered when I got back. Marcus Nettie and his agent were waiting for me to meet them and have something to eat. I had to ring them and say, sorry, lads, I'll come down and have a drink, but I'm cream crackered. So that's a nice uh, first first impressions to senior keeper. <laughs> uh, and then I found uh, something else as well about um, what he does in the break to get his players in fitness and pre-season. Um, I heard that he took them down to um, Plymouth because he now lives down south. Uh, and and anyway, he um, enjoyed a bonding session at his house um, during a pre-season and he hosted a lucky, a look in brackets barbecue and said after the win, we couldn't have done, got much better out of it. My cooking probably wasn't as good as it is, but they still ate it. I was delighted with the work ethic we showed and we played some good football. So you see, he's even a bit of a, a whiz in the kitchen by the sounds of things, flipping burgers. <laughs> it doesn't work out. Maybe maybe a job at McDonald's or something for Sir, Sir Neil. That's why he's been serving the Middlesbrough team burgers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, barbecue could be a bit, you know, chicken drumsticks or something like that as well. He'll be on Sunday brunch before we know it. <laughs> Tim Lovejoy would love that, I tell you. But yeah, so that's um, all I really got for for not watching until the season begins. So we'll, we'll fingers crossed. We've got a hard start though. Two ex-relegated um, teams, Watford and Bournemouth. Have to wait and see how they get on and go from there. Hopefully you'll last the full season more than Pardew did. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to have to keep changing it every couple of months. Exactly. Well, Ian Holloway's always lurking about at Grimsby, so if need be. <laughs> oh, good stuff, Chris. Thanks very much for that. No problem. I don't understand how people come to these uh, like ridiculous stories or, or lies or whatever. I've, I've always been on the training uh, at Chelsea, every training that I was been, I've always been on time. I've never skipped. I've never skipped a training, or I've, I was never sick. I had never problems, or in any kind of way with the club, or, 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 or like in private, private matters, or whatever. So I don't understand how people come to these kind of things mentally. It, it, it for for a player, it's, it's going to be tough because you're working every hard, you're earning every hard, you're training, you're not playing. Uh, to to keep the motivation, it's it, it's very it's very difficult. All right, next up, we're going to look at our top five Premier League ones to watch as we go into the new season. All right, so Ant, I'm going to come to you first for this one, number five. Actually, we're not um, going to put it at top five. We're just going to have five, any order. Yeah, I was going to say mine's just five names that I think of. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair enough for this one. I've I've gone with my own team for this. I've gone Takumi Minamino. Okay. okay. I think he's, he scored 64 times for Salzburg in 189 appearances. Obviously, he only played 10 times last season, but it, it must have been hard for him coming into a team that was on such form and on the, win the league. He, he did look a little bit lost, bless him. Um, but pre-season, since he scored a goal for Liverpool, he's actually 
he's looking a bit more settled now and he looks a bit more of a threat. And I think the, the main reason for that is because when he's played in pre-season, Klopp's played him more centrally behind uh, Firmino. Um, and he was one of the best players on the pitch in the Community Shield from what I saw. So I think if he can get if he can get in the team, I think he could he could be a real um, asset to Liverpool in attacking the title, as Klopp says. I remember him playing against Liverpool in the Champions League. That that match that he played um, at Anfield for Salzburg, he was outstanding. That goal yeah. he scored as well, I think twenty five yard on the half volley on the turn, fantastic, fantastic player. I think they got there. It's just a matter of just bringing him in the right, I guess, into the right position yeah, for the team. They need, to, they need to find a way to, to work him in. Yeah, I think that's the issue. What position is he going to play? Is, can he play at centre-forward? Don't you why not? He's four goals. Yeah. Well, I think he's... I don't know whether he's strong enough, though, to be honest. The way no, he's probably a bit lightweight, but he, said he looked a lot stronger when, when I've seen him play in pre-season than he did a few okay. games I saw him last, last season. All right, I'll go next with my number five, just to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. I've gone for Damari Gray. Oof, now, okay. I know, I know I'm sticking my, my neck on the chopper, but um, I think it's it's finally going to be his year. Now, uh, I've, I've, he's been sharp in pre-season again. He's, he's really, he's so fast at uh, driving forward with the ball. Once he gets into the box, he's absolutely deadly. He's started putting assists into his game when he did play last season, um, feeding the ball to Vardy. And I'm just, uh, I'm hoping that this is the year. Is uh, With Leicester having more games being in Europe, They'll be stretched a bit thinner in the squad. There will be more opportunities for him. I just hope he shows what he can do and fulfil his potential. Fingers crossed. I'll put him at the top of my list. I mean, Demario Gray is an interesting one, I feel, because um, I feel that he's been unfairly treated by the fans at Leicester. You've got, you've got to remember, he's, he's still pretty young. I think, if I'm right, did you bring him in at like an 18-year-old um, from Birmingham? I feel like he's been around for years. Yeah. yeah. But I think he's only about 23, 24, is he? Or not even that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of potential there with him. There is a, a slight arrogance with him on the ball. He's a bit, he has been a bit greedy, but he's obviously hopefully learned from those mistakes. And this year, if he can come on and be that, the player that everyone says he's meant to be, then I think he's a great addition to the team. All right, Chris, hit us with one of yours, please. Yeah, first one is Brandon Williams from Man United. Yeah, uh, trainee came up through the ranks, played 17 games last season, actually, scored one goal. And by the looks of things, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think he's as good as Luke Shaw in that position. The the way that they play, he plays sort of a left wing back, um, he's very determined, very aggressive as well, which is really good to see. Not great for the opposition, obviously, but I'm sure Man United fans are excited by him. Um, but at that position, as a wing-back, um, he seems very good, very comfortable, um, very good, comfortable on the ball, makes a lot of forward runs, overlaps well with the, if it's Rashford on the left or Martial. And like I say, he's incredibly aggressive for, for his age. He's got no, no sort of... Um, almost sort of an arrogance just to go in hard. No, doesn't take anyone's name to sort of be all, all gents on them. Just goes in straight away. Um, but yeah, I'll put him there because I think if, if Solskjaer pushes him, I think he could really push forward for 
for battling for the England um, position as well. He's only 20 years old as well, so so I'll put him as one of my top five to watch out for. That's a great shout. Oh, I totally agree with what you said. Is uh, is that the aggression that he plays with his style? It's, uh, it's really great to watch, isn't it? Yeah, sort of. He, he he's like really an old. Yeah, yeah. He's like an experienced guy that's been there ten years. Just incredible aggression. But all right, Ant number four. Uh, Kei Osaka. I know we've spoken. He's been mentioned a few times tonight. Um, yep. He's you know, a versatile player. He can, he can play left back, left wing. To be honest with you, I think he can play anywhere. Um, <laughs> I think if he could get a good run of games in the side, obviously, unfortunately, they've got another versatile left side player in Kieran Tierney. Um, then I think he's in, in with a chance of finally getting his England cap. Um, I saw the Community Shield. He, when, when he got the ball, Arsenal seemed to be a bit more... Um, Attacking and progressive, and he did assist uh, Abamyang for for his opening um, opening goal. And I looked at his stats last season. He's got one goal and five assists in the Premiership, two goals, four assists in Europe, one goal, one assist in the FA Cup, and an assist in the League Cup. He's eighteen. It's, you know, he if he can, like I said, if he can get a, a run and run in the team, he, he he can nail down a place quite easily for England and Arsenal. Has he picked yet? Has he? Because I know there's this massive thing he was debating whether to go to Ni- play for Nigeria or England yet. No, I don't think he has, but I don't know why Southgate's not picked him because he keeps Southgate keeps moaning he's not got any left-sided players. Yeah, and then you got Saka there. It's like, <laughs> hello. He's incredible young talent though, isn't he? He's again yeah. another one that's fearless, just put, so versatile. Like you say, play put him two or three different positions. Southgate would just pick him so that we can nail him down for an England. You know. That's a great pick. That is, he's an exciting player, isn't he? He's. Um, I like seeing him play. He, he played great at left back, but also when he played right wing, I loved um, the service he got into the middle of the box. He's so direct. He sees the pass, and he's uh, he's good on the ball as well. Very very fast. And it's great to watch. The only thing I will say though is I think it's going to be harder to get in that Arsenal team this season with uh, William signing. Yeah. And Tierney at left, but like you say, yeah. it's. Uh, I, th- I think we'll probably see more of him in the European competitions, but hopefully we'll still see him grow. He's a great prospect, isn't he? All right, uh, my next pick, I've gone for Ryan Fraser. So uh, yeah. pretty well established. Uh, he's uh, had a good season with Bournemouth. Maybe not last season, but the season before, he uh, got, a, got a lot of assists. And then it seemed to be thinking more about his next move last season. He didn't have a good year at Bournemouth by any stretch last year. Bournemouth relegated, obviously. And he didn't play um, into the lockdown period. He chose to end his contract at the end of June because he was looking for his next move. Now, that move is taking him to Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle, they've also signed Callum Wilson, who you'll know well. And I expect I'll see him, uh, Ryan Fraser, with Alan San Maximan being the pacey attacking threats down the flanks getting the service into Wilson I think this could be quite a vibrant Newcastle attacking team which we've not seen for a number of years now and I think Fraser could play a key role in that and we'll see a lot more from him I think he'll be given licence to go forward and get that service into the box I think that's a good one because I think he was one of the top assists wasn't he a couple of seasons ago Yeah, uh, in the Premier League so 
So I think we it's might see him bounce got... back. Yeah. It, 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 angered me. it angered me that he cancelled his contract. I, I understand why. I get it. But, you know, he was a massive born, born with regular, especially, and he was well loved by the fans. And I, He probably would have made the difference keeping them up. He could be right. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I felt it was a bit of a kick in the teeth. I mean, they say, I don't want to play for you anymore, even though this, this team that he's played for for I don't know how many years um, was facing relegation. And he, I think he was part of the team that put them up in the first place, wasn't he? Yeah. It, it no, just annoyed me a little bit. But I, I understand why he did what he did. Because obviously he didn't want to get injured, but I just think, you know, he'd been at the club so long. Just help him out one last time. I totally agree. All right, Chris. Um, sticking with the Williamses, uh, Nico Williams, Liverpool's right back. Because he's Welsh. <laughs> Maybe that as well. Maybe that, that is on my notes. Thank you very much. Oh, you had um, to make a that, note of that, did you? <laughs> uh, well, I had to. It's on part of my notes. Uh, made six appearances, actually, that season. I was quite surprised with that. Um, it's good competition for Trent. I personally think that Trent should play further up the pitch anyway. But that's a debate that we can talk about another time and give this other chance as fullback. Um, he's, he seems very determined. He plays very direct, similar to Brandon Williams, to be honest. Seems very hungry as well and um, made his Welsh debut um, this month, scoring against Bulgaria as well. Um, and I just think if he's given a chance, whether it be whether he'll be taken out onto loan or given a few more league games, then I think he could really outshine shine probably Trent or at least be one to watch. I think that's a bold shout out. That is. It is. It is. I don't think he should go out on loan. I think. I think he, we need backup for for Trent this season. He, do, he needs the the problem I'm finding with Trent is though you can almost get a bit too comfortable being the number one in that position, like we said with other players, and to maybe drop him sometimes if he isn't defensively doing what he should be doing, especially you know when you're defending the title. I think Liverpool will need to look at their defence a lot, lot more, um, because they know they've got the attackers there, and maybe not necessarily have a person surging forward all the while on the right. I mean, w- Williams tends to do it anyway, but I think he's slightly more defensive-minded. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably agree with you there. No, no, that's a good shout then. I like that. All right. Um, Ant, who's your next one? Oh, that's me again. Jarrod Bowen, West Ham. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he was, he was Hull's top scorer two seasons running. He moved to West Ham in January. He didn't look out of place in the games that I saw last season, especially after no. the restart. He looked good, didn't he? Yeah. Um, he scored He scored 16 goals, seven assists for Hull in 29 appearances before his move. And then he scored one set up four for West Ham. And then during pre-season, he's already scored four goals and one assist in three games. So it looks like he's carrying on where he left off. And I think he Dangerous did a player. for West Ham. He's a really dangerous player, I think. Pacey. Yeah, he is pacey, um, very pacey. Yeah. Caused Liverpool no end of problems when they played, when he came on against um, against them at Anfield. That's a good shout, that is. Yeah, I like him. I hope he has a good year. Right, uh, my next one. It, it's a bit similar to Damari Gray, actually. It's uh, one of these guys where you think, will he ever actually take the next step and make it? 
I've gone for Patrick Bamford. Okay. <laughs> the champ man specialist, that is. <laughs> How old is he now? Because he feels like he's been around for years. He has been around Mid-20s, for years. Mid-20s, isn't it? Oh, yeah, is it? 27, yeah. But yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's obviously had a very good spell at Leeds. He's got 25 goals in 67 games for Leeds. But he's part of a, a what I think is a really good Leeds team who come into the division. I think that Leeds are going to have a good season, personally. And I think that Bamford is going to be at the spearhead of that. I know they've signed Rodrigo, who I think is a great addition to the squad. But I think Bamford will be given the chance to start. And I think that most of the goal threat will go through him. Now, I hope he's uh, finally going to make it and get some Premier League goals to his name. Will he finally achieve that potential and be that, that fox in the box, that number nine at Leeds? I think it will happen from this year. I really do. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good one, that is. He's had a lot of seasons in the Championship, hasn't he? Waiting to try to get his chance. Yeah. When was the last time he played in the Premiership? Was it, did he ever play for Chelsea in the Premiership? He on loan to someone, didn't he, in the Premier League? Uh, Norwich, Burnley. Mm-hmm. And didn't score. Played. In fact, I don't think he's ever scored a Premier League goal. No. Oh, no, he did. He scored one for Middlesbrough. Good one. Right, uh, Chris. Yeah, my next one is Eberaki Ezi, Crystal Palace's signing, the winger from QPR, bought for 17 million. I don't know if you know much of him. Um, I, I know the name, I know he's quite highly regarded at QPR, but I couldn't tell you I've yeah. seen much of him. I mean, he's got an incredible, interesting childhood story, but we'll wait for that another time. Um, but he's he seems like an um, incredible talent, a winger. He dribbles at pace as well. Similar to Zahar, I think he was probably bought, in all truthfulness, probably as a, almost as a replacement for him. But um, obviously they've managed, well, no one seems to have made any bid for Zahar yet. So it seems like they've got both, both of them at the moment. Um, last year, he played 48 games, 14 goals in all competitions. Uh, one QPR player of the year, second place in uh, the championship player of the year. Um, a real game changer as well. Pacey, like I said, uh, incredible talent. Uh, Sir Les Ferdinand has quoted and believes that as a, if he continues in his form, he must be selected for the 2021 European Championships. Obviously, he is the sporting director of QPR, so there's probably a bit of bias to be there. But I think he's one to watch. He seems like he's got a lot to prove. Obviously, another homegrown player. With him and Zaha probably playing together, could be pretty, pretty good for Palace. And they might actually have more of an attacking threat than they had, especially last year, like we were talking about earlier on. That's a great one, Chris. All right, over to you again, Ant. So I've gone with Pedro Neto, Wolves. I Snap. nearly put him on. Snap. <laughs> I haven't got much stats for him, to be honest, but I just think if, if he can get in the side ahead of Traore, which I know is a big ask, um, he could be one to watch. He, he only scored five goals last season, but he, he was never a regular starter um, because of Traore. But every time I've seen him, he's, he's quick, he's skillful, you know, he's, he's not afraid to shoot, and he, he hasn't done done much wrong in my opinion, from what I've seen of him. Incredible talent, I think he is, to be honest. Um, scored a great left-footed volley, I think, just after 
lockdown or during that period. Yeah. Uh, um, absolute talent. He's absolutely scares the living hell out of central defenders. Movement yeah. off the ball. I mean, I think he had, he was the one that scored that VAR goal against Liverpool. That was obviously was. the yeah. Johnny's fingernail was over the line or something. Fingernail. <laughs> Toenail, sorry. <laughs> Can't score with your fingernail. Uh, he never knows. Ask Maradona that, mate. <laughs> um, no, but he looks very en- energetic. He, he just seems like a natural finisher as well. And he plays fantastically under this, the Wolves system that the Nuno's got going, um, which does seem quite Portuguese at the moment. <laughs> well, you know, if he isn't broke, don't fix it. Exactly, to be honest. But yeah, I, I agree. If he can break break in, it'll be very hard to dislodge him, I think. Yeah, I, I think this I think that's a great shout. He's a really exciting player. I'm I really hope he does break through this year and get in that team and he could become a Premier League star player, couldn't he? He looks great. Alright, uh my number two. You might consider this one a little bit of a cheat, but I've gone for Timo Werner. Oh, okay. We don't know what to expect from him, so that's fair um, well, is a high-profile signing. I think there's quite a bit expected of him. There's a lot of expectation on his shoulders. But um, last season, he scored 34 goals in 45 games for Red Bull Leipzig. Now, the reason I've put him on my one-to-watch list is that I think that Chelsea actually create a lot of chances. They get a lot of balls into the box. And uh, I don't think the strikers, Tammy Abraham and Olivier Giroud, made the most of all those chances that were created last season. But I think with Werner as the spearhead, I think there's the potential to re- for them to really up the amount of goals that they score. And I think we could see Werner um, not just winning the golden boot, but winning it by some margin. I think Vardy got 23 goals to win it last season. I could see Werner getting 30-plus goals this season, potentially. So um, yes, I'm going to regret this. I know I'm going to regret this, but I've, that's why I put him at number two on my list as a one to watch. He could have a massive impact on the league. Yeah, oh, yeah number two. Who's number one? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. He can play in various positions as well. Calm finisher as well. He can if he can hit the ground running. Then beware Premier League. All right, Chris, okay. who have you got next up? Um, same as that, actually, Mr. Neto. So, oh, okay. Over to, over to Ant. All right, last pick for you, Ant. Uh, my last pick is Jaffet Tanganga. Oh. Spurs. So he made his Premier League debut against Liverpool, of all, of all teams, and he did not disgrace himself whatsoever. Um, he was up against Mane for most of the game, and he didn't really put a foot wrong. Uh, a few days later, he played his first full 90 minutes against Borough in the FA Cup and got man of the match. He just seems so fearless and you know, he's not afraid to go forwards. He's he's confident at the back. And, you know, Mourinho obviously sees something in him to give him a debut against Liverpool because you don't throw any youngster against Liverpool. I, I know, I think, uh, is it Davies plays left back for Spurs, I think? Yeah. Um, if he can get ahead of Davies, he, he, could, be, um, he could have a good season for, for Spurs. Another good shout, that is. All right, so um, last bit for me. I've gone for Mason Holgate. So Everton, they've obviously signed a lot of players in midfield and they're rebuilding under Ancelotti. 
And the biggest concern for me is along that back line for Everton. But I think that um, Mason Holgate's really the uh, going to be the linchpin of that defence. He's very calm on the ball. His position is very good. He's quite mobile. Everton's problem is getting the sort of deep line centre-back to play with him. But Holgate, for me, is an absolute quality player. And I think we're going to see Ancelotti get the best out of him. I think we could see him emerging as one of the star defenders of the league. I, I think he's a good player. Um, I just think they've got to find the right formation um, to suit all the players that they've got. I, I like the defence that they've got, but they just don't... I would prefer probably, if I was at Ancelotti, to play maybe three at the back with Coleman on one side steaming forward in there, Dinge um, on the other side, and probably have someone like Keane, Mina and Holgate as a three. But... I'm no Everton manager, but I do rate, rate Holgate. I think he's a, a great player with a, a lot of a big future. Okay, um, last pick then, Chris. Yeah, um, mine is Foreign Torres, the one that Man City have bought from Valencia. Yep. £20 million. He is, from what I've seen last year, because I watched a bit of La Liga, absolute quality at Valencia. Uh Unfortunately, Valencia put such a, a low buyout clause. That's why they got him for a snip for twenty million, and also because of their major transfer issues um, with money, right. they had to sell a lot of their other players, and that's why Rodrigo went so cheaply as well because they're deep, deeply in debt. Similar mould to David Silva, very composed, great passer, can play both wings, um, but he's mainly right-footed. Uh, very strong and durable as well. Uh, last year, he scored 30, in 34 games. He got five assists, four goals. Two, he's made two international appearances for Spain, scored one goal already. Yeah. 20 years old, he's going to be absolutely great. No one's really spoke about him, actually, since he's moved. They've I find that spoke. very surprising. That's very surprising. So, like you say, for what I've seen of him, he looks, he looks a real talent, a really exciting player. Great technical ability and speed, and now he's learning under Pep, isn't he? It's 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 exciting. It is for for Man City fans, and they're talking about this guy that no one really knows about, of Lionel Messi or someone like that. <laughs> when they've got when they've got someone like this guy here, who's probably got ten years, if you treat him well and he plays up to the standards, then this guy will be forgotten about in in years time. I mean, I. I yeah, I, I'm a bit fearful for everyone else in the league. If this guy can hit the ground running, on what what can happen? I think he's a bit of a dark horse as well, because no one's really spoken about him. No, oh, great shout! I think that's a that's a great note to to leave that on. Um, I've only done a top five for ones to watch, but I think we've come up with a, a varied list of quite a few names that we should all be looking out for and excited by going into the new season. That's good. Definitely. All in very positions as well. I think you only had one duplicate and that was Neto, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Jimenez across there. Oh, what a goal that is! That's an absolute delight from Pedro Neto. And that should settle the matter here at the London Stadium. It'll be raising the ruse in Wolverhampton. A special strike. Again, Traore. 
at the heart of things, what a difference he's made. And Doherty's cross, so inviting, and he's come on to that, the sub, and just caught it perfectly. Next up, we're going to go through our predictions for top six places and for relegation. In hat time. I think the way we're going to do this is going to start at uh, number six. We'll go around and we'll do a countdown from six to one. Ooh, okay. I'm going to start with you, Chris. Who, who do you think is going to finish number six in the Premier League next season? Controversial start. I like it. I'm going with Wolves. Ooh. Okay. Okay, I'm, I was looking at it in the summer. I thought Torre and Jimenez were probably going to be moved off, moved on. They haven't, and I mean, amazingly, Wolves have lost Doherty, which is a is a big loss. The guy was arguably one of the best right wing backs or right backs of the season. I just think though they've got this culture there that there's a massive togetherness. They've had the experience now of European competition with league. And I just, now they've kept Jimenez, which is a real coup, in my, like we were saying, you know, he's the best transfer of last season, that I think they can push on. And you've got players there that play for the manager, you know, that shouldn't really be as good as they are, like your Den Gonkers and, you know, that playing various positions that I think that they might not, they might not be a big name team, but I think they can get themselves into the top six. I, I t- I've taken out Spurs because I just think that's a, an absolute car crash rating to happen. No offence to the signings that they made, which are stellar signings. I just think the manager in charge won't be able to push them over the line with it. And that's just my personal opinion, as in Jose, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I definitely can't disagree with anything you've said there about Wolves. I think they're a great team and I think they'll have another good season. I've not got them on my top six, though, but I don't think they'll be far away, certainly. What do you reckon, Ant? I was amazed they they got rid of Doherty, especially for that little money. £15 he went for. Yeah. Bargain. Absolute bargain. I think he's going to be a big miss for them. He scores a lot and he sets up a lot. And he's also a very good defender. Uh, I think that, that to me, swayed Wolves out of my top six. But I can see where you're coming from, Chris. I'm exactly the same, and I think that is a big loss. They've not, they've not strengthened the team, have they, really? They've, uh, they've lost in that anyone position. Yet, have they? They've got two attacking mids, I think, on loan, isn't it? Or attacking side. There's still time, though. Anything can happen. We've got three yeah. weeks yet. And who do you think is going to finish sixth? I'm going Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> just throw what I said <laughs> uh, I don't didn't, you know, I, I think Mourinho will do alright with them this season I think he's going to start bringing in his own players and his own mentality um, I think the big the key thing for Spurs is keeping Kane and Son fit if they keep both of them fit that they could push top four quite easily um, but yeah I, I can't yeah, I, I don't think they're going to set the world alight, but I think I think I think they'll be safe. I think they'll be sixth. I think it will be tight, though. I think the whole league will be tight this year. Yeah, I kind of kind of agree with that. Um, my number six pick. I've gone for Everton. Ooh, okay, that's good. So I think I think they've, they've revamped their midfield. 
they've got some good attacking options. Richarlison's been consistent getting the goals. Calvert-Lewis has been pretty good at getting goals as well. The big question marks on the defence, and I'm basically backing Angelotti to resolve that issue. I think Holgate's going to be at the centre of it. I think Yeri Mean is a very capable centre-back. Not sure about Michael Keane, if I'm honest. I think they'll gel together, uh, and I think they'll come good, especially through the second half of the season. So um, I think it's going to be a very, very tight league in those areas, in those positions. But I think I'm backing Everton to come through. We've got a great manager there. Yeah, I like the, I like his um, ambition with James Rodriguez as well. It, it's a really interesting signing because if I were Rodriguez, you'd want to prove a point, wouldn't you? It didn't work out quite at Bayern. Real, he got a bit turfed out, as some players do. You want to really sort of prove a point that you've still got that talent. And I, I hope he really does set the Premier League alight, to be honest, just to sort of prove people wrong. And just, I'd like to have um, Everton up there, to be honest, fighting up there with the old Merseyside derbies, where there actually could be a 50 50 instead of us winning 5 0 or 4 0. <laughs> or. Or getting Origi scoring a 90-minute winner after it hits the bar and Pickford doesn't know where the ball is and all sorts. The thing with Mourinho and Angelotti this, this, this season, this is their first full season at these clubs, you know, they're used to going to clubs that are already successful and already yeah. win clubs. They're having to change that now. Yeah, I think this yep. is going to be a, a big test for them this season. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, well... Let's have your number five, Chris. Arsenal. Yeah, snap. I've got Man United. It's tight. I was going between them two. But I'll, that's, I'll, I'm going Arsenal just because um, their record against other top clubs in the top six. I know that's not Arteta's record, but I just think they've still got that sort of little stumbling block. I know they've won two, two cups, but I just don't think they'll be able to keep that consistency up against the lower teams. I just think against the lower teams, they, they'll struggle to get away to win. But that's just my personal opinion. No, I think uh, I think Arsenal have strengthened, uh, especially William. I think he's going to be a massive signing for them. I really do. And I think that Arteta will start to see more of his influence on the team. I think they'll be keeping the ball better, recycling, getting it to the, the attacking players in the right areas. And he's trying to shore up that defence. He's He's got some centre-back prospects who he's developing. But at the minute, he's got some players that he's are playing well together and he's going with that. I think we're going to see consistency from them. That's why I've picked Arsenal at five. I think we're going to see a big improvement from last year. Yeah, I've, I've, I've put Arsenal at four, um, and at five. I, I just think that Arteta is a bit more tactically astute than Solskjaer, and I think the like I spoke about earlier, the, the lack of rotation with Solskjaer at the end of last season. I think if he carries on with that mentality this season, his players could burn out by Christmas and, and struggle. Um, I could be wrong. Plus, I, I also I still don't rate Manchester United's defence. I've just been quite quietly impressed with Arteta's Arsenal. And I think they could they could just sneak in, probably on the last day. Chris, who have you got at number four? Man United. 
Um, like like Anne said, it's just going to be. I think it's going to be real last day thriller between those two teams. Could be more. Um, I think Van the buy of Donny Van der Beer has been a, a very astute signing by Man United. I do agree with Anne that maybe a bit more, you know, strength and depth in central defence is needed. But I do feel attacking wise. And in midfield, they're really with the um, purchase of Fernandez that they've gone up that next level. But I, I do feel that they're, they're starting to go somewhere now, and it's about giving these managers time. And I, I do, I was one that said Oli should have gone, but he seems to be turning it around slowly, like a like a truck on a U-turn. But it, it's it's getting there, I think, and. You just got to keep with him. I, Rome wasn't built in a day, and I hate to say it, I don't think Man United will be. And I just hope <laughs> they don't get Jaden Sancho, or my prediction might be totally wrong. But I think he, I think he was just about sneaking. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so I've got Arsenal at five. At uh, number four, I've gone for Chelsea. Oh, okay. So um, I think they finished fourth last year. Uh, they've They've improved the squad. They've brought some talented players in, especially in attacking positions. But for me, they've they've not really improved their defence. I think that's been a bit of the issue last season. They brought Shewan at left back, but I don't think that defensively he's a an improvement in that position. Better going forward, no doubt. But I think they've they need to resolve that issue along the back line, uh, and especially in midfield, protecting that defence as well. I think they were a little bit soft, and they ended up uh, conceding too much possession late in games and being vulnerable to late goals. That happened far too many times last season. and I, I don't see that Lampard has addressed that yet. So I don't think they're going to be consistent enough to challenge at the top. That's my opinion. That's why I've put them at fourth. I think Lampard's going to have his work cut out this season, keeping everyone happy. I think that's his test this season. He's got a very high amount of players on your attacking side, isn't he? He's very high balanced on attacking mids, midfielders, strongers. I think last season, he was obviously very much in his comfort zone because he knew the youngsters and he brought them through and he did a great job. And yeah, He did a fantastic job last season. I think this season he's brought in your, your Werners, your Havertz, your Zayetz, your um, wherever else. They're not going to want to sit on the bench every couple of games. At the same time, the youngsters who proved that they could cut it last season, they're not going to want to sit on the bench for every couple of games, especially in the Euros year. Um, yeah, I think he's going to have a real job on his hands this season. I think if he, he can do that and he can pick a team that works and rotate it well, and I think they'll have a good season. Yeah. Yep, yeah, I agree with that. Think about hitting the nail on the head for why I put them third. Yes, I mean. That exact reason. My number three, I've gone for Liverpool. Now, uh... <laughs> yeah, silence. That's what I expected. Um, so Liverpool, they've not signed anyone. No. They've got a thin squad, as it is, in my opinion. Um, the first 11, great, great first 11. When players get injured, I think you struggle. 
Uh, I'd also I say it's a great first eleven, but I also I'm not convinced about the centre of that midfield. I think the only player that really stands out for me is Wijnaldum. There's rumours of him leaving. I think if he does leave, I'm not expecting Henderson to play as well as he did last season. I think he overachieved last season. I think he's going to be a bit of a problem in the middle of the park for Liverpool there. That's a massive concern. I mean, there's been this talk about Thiago, hasn't there? And obviously that's the Ronaldo leaving, but you really want both of them staying because you yeah. need the competition for places. And like you say, a couple of injuries, but we've lost our backbone. You know, your Lallana's, he's now gone. And Milner isn't going to be able to play every single game in every position like we've managed before. You know, he's not the greatest left-back in the world which we've remedied that with bringing in that guy from Olympiacos. So he'd be in the midfield, but I don't think, to be honest, he's good enough to play that specific role. I would say not. The defence has started to become a little bit exposed at times. For three quarters of the season last year, you looked absolutely impervious. There's no one going to break through. Van Dijk looked like the best defender in the world. Now... He's looking a little bit helpless at times. Like he needs a bit of help there at the back, a little bit of protection from his midfield. He needs Gomez to step up a bit more and be his sort of first line in front of him. And the fullbacks need to be more aware, I think. I think Robertson and Alexander Arnold, they've been exposed a little bit. Uh, I just I just worry about that. And for all of those reasons, I just don't see Liverpool being as consistent. I think you'll get goals. No doubt. And I think you'll get lots of wins. But I think you're going to let a few goals in as well and you'll let games slip at times. I'll just see some weaknesses there now. Anything to add there, Not yet. Load of bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> He's speaking out of his arse. <laughs> I, I, I agree with everything Dan says. Um, but I, I can't see us finishing third. Is, there's I don't think the other teams are, are going to quite catch Liverpool and Man City this season still. I think they'll be closer. They'll be a lot closer. But I think those two are still a cut above the rest. Chris, who have you got at number two? Number two, Liverpool. I don't, I, like, like you said, I, it, it's a concern that they haven't built from last year. And that that's that simple, really. The, the players they brought in, they brought in squad player, a squad player, all good and great. But you need competition for places. This is what made Man United so good, wasn't it? They brought in players to give competition to them, set, set them up to the next level. And I just think that they need needed to bring in just maybe another couple of players. But we need to keep Ronaldo as well. You need this competition. You need to keep players fresh. You've got a lot of cups to go in, a lot of competitions, a couple of injuries, Liverpool could be screwed. And Curtis Jones, who's a fantastic player, could end up playing 30, 35 times for a 19-year-old. That That's not going to be great for him unless he's going to step up to the mark. Never know, mate. He could be the next Gerrard. He could be, but then what would happen? But we haven't got the strength in depth. That's, no. that's no, a simple... I agree with that. Because what happens if one of the front three go injured? Who will we bring in? Origi, and like I said, Minimoto. But again, we don't want two players being injured and having to have that problem. But like I said, it's going to be close. I still think Man City still have that slight issue themselves as well. 
All right, and who do you think is going to finish second? Joe, I've, I've wrestled with this all week, um, but I'm going to go against my usual instinct. I'm going to say Man City finish second. Uh, I still, I still have concerns with their defence. I know they brought in Nathan Aki. Yes, he's a great player. He's very versatile, but you know they they still need to keep Laporte fit. That's the main thing. I think he's the key. I think De Bruyne again. He he has injury troubles, and they miss him when when he's when he's not playing. Um, I I, I just think this. I know I understand what, what your concerns with Liverpool's defence is. They, they have looked a bit shaky in the last um, couple of months, but Liverpool still managed to win games. I know they've lost. I know they've lost a few, but over the course of the last two years, Liverpool have been by far the most consistent team. And you don't become a bad team overnight. Um, I think it'll be closer, but I still think Liverpool will just about edge it, even if we sacrifice the rest of the cups. I think I think we'll do it again. Just my, my personal opinion is that it's going to be one of the closest ever. I think I don't think there's going to be be as big a gaps at all as there has been in previous years. Will probably be one of the most exciting, and also with no fans, Liverpool haven't played particularly well when mm. there hasn't been fans, and especially at Anfield and. Man City played okay, but I think the top team was Man, Man United. Um, and you've got to put that sort of thing in. It could go on that we play half the season without fans. It's going to just be so tight. I think I, I don't think there's going to be anyone that run, runs away with it like there has been the last few years. I think teams are going to lose. Teams are going to drop points. It's going to be twists and turns. I mean, Liverpool got Arsenal, Chelsea, two of the first three games. I mean, that's going to be massive. To, to how it goes. If Liverpool lose both of those games, that could have a massive bearing on the whole league already. And that's like Liverpool the first got, games. got a, a very early lead over Man City in the league last season. They did, yeah. They were about, what was it, nine points clear after two months, I think. Yeah. You know, this will set the tone, really. I think if it's a bit closer this season, I think it'll be like the season before where Liverpool and Man City just keep going at each other every week, winning games, losing games together. <laughs> I, I can't see the title being one on ninety points this season. I think it'll be no, lower than that this year. It'll be a lot. It'll be a lot closer, and I think it'll be three to four teams in in with a shout all the way through. All right, good stuff. Uh, I've kept it quiet, but um, my number two pick, I've gone for Man United. Yeah, I did well, wonder. I, where I didn't think you'd be on. stupid to put them at number one. <laughs> <laughs> No, didn't well, Chris Waddle has, by the way. I noticed. Well, earlier. you know what? I I didn't I didn't rule it out. Uh, I personally, I I think it's going to be a two horse race for the title. I think it's going to be Man United and Man City that are a stretch ahead of the rest. That's my personal opinion. The reason that I rate Man City, sorry, Man United, so highly is um, I, I disagree with what you're saying about the defense. I I think the defensive stats are pretty good. I like Lindelof a lot more than a lot of the press give him credit for. And Maguire, as we've said, has been very consistent. I think they've formed a partnership. They've played together so many games now. And I then, did realise after I said that comment that they obviously I did say earlier they were the third best defence last season. Yeah. Um, what I meant really was the Hayes lapse in concentration every now and then has cost yeah. them points. But they've done something about that. They've got competition for places. Yes, that's true. It's just whether he plays or whether he ups his game. 
Yeah, so um, they've addressed that issue. Uh, I, I think the fullbacks are pretty good. They've got competition for places and cover at left back, certainly. Wan-Bissaka is a quality player, in my opinion. I love the protection that that defence gets from Matic and Pogba and McTominay as well. We've got three quality players there in defensive mids. And then they've definitely got goals in them. Greenwood, Rashford, Martial. Martial looks a different player now under Oli Solskjaer. And, and Fernandez as well, playing behind them. I, I think that's a perfectly balanced team. I'm expecting them to win a lot of games this season. Don't forget you've got Van der Beek in there as well. Yeah, great box-to-box midfielder. Loads of energy. They'll need him if they're going to be um, attacking all the competitions. Absolute snip at 40 million as well. I mean... And uh, you mentioned it earlier, Chris. They're still chasing Jadon Sancho, the number one target. If they get him, the the sky's the limit. I think they've got a great chance of winning the title if they get him. It's just going to be one of the most intriguing seasons, I think. That's oh, good to have the Premier League back, isn't it? It is, it is. It's, it's just great, isn't it? Having big games every, nearly every single week. Okay, so um, and you've gone for Liverpool retaining the title, is that right? Yeah, against yep. my better judgment, but yeah, I'm sticking with my boys. Okay, and then Chris, I think you and I have both gone for Man City at number one. I have, tightly run thing. Yes. So what do you like about Man City? They're just his class, don't they? I hate to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Attacking wise, they've improved. They've, like I said, Torres is a is a great signing. Kurt Price, they've got obviously De Bruyne. Aguero has got his use as his deputy. Uh, Sterling, right hand says there is frailty still in the mid, in the defence. Okay, may feel some of those. I still feel personally, if you want to be really pedantic, they need another defender. I think they're a little bit. I think their fullbacks are a little too attacking, but then again, so are Liverpool's. Um, so it balances itself out. I just really think it's it's going to be that tight. You just there's not really much between, like I said, the top three, four, four teams. But I just think under Pep's guidance that he wants to prove that they're top dogs again. After everything that's gone on with all the stuff out of football with the Champions League problems, that I think he just wants to prove that Man City are top dogs. And uh, when they came back after lockdown, how many 5 nil, 6 nil dribbins did we see from Man City? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even against Liverpool. Pretty frightening, aren't they, at times? I think we've... With Man City, obviously I know they've got Foden coming through now. I think David Silva's going to be a big miss for them this season. Yeah, he was he was a massive player for them. And also, let's not forget look, they play their best teams in every competition that they're in. Whereas your Man United and your and your Liverpool's tend to play the sort of reserves slash kids in FA Cup and League Cup. But Guardiola sticks your De Bruyne's and Sterling's out against Burton in the in, in League Cup semi finals. So, you know, so it, you know, they play a lot of games. It's just a factor. Could be. Uh, I'll see that. All right. Oh, that was really interesting. Uh, some great opinions there, backed up well as well. So, well done, guys. But uh, that's the top six sorted. We're going to move on to the relegation zone now. So, I need 
three teams that you think are going to get relegated. Go on, Chris. Okay, I'm going Fulham, West Brom, West Ham. Ooh, and where have you gone for? Fulham, West Brom, can't decide on the third one. I've got a few names. I'm going to go Burnley. Oh, okay. And I've gone for Fulham, West Brom, Brighton. So, first of all, Fulham and West Brom, we've all picked them. Do we think that they're, they've got any chance at all for survival? It's a tough one because they're, in my opinion, they're two of your favourite yo-yo teams. Yeah. In my personal opinion. I know it's a I don't mean to say in a horrible way, but you, I, just looking at the squads of both of them too, I just don't think there's quite enough there as in depth, squad depth, to keep them up. And it would take something, I mean a real good sort of um, year, I think, to keep them up. But then I said that about Sheffield United, so that's my... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my... I don't, I don't really know enough about either team. There's not many players that I, I know of. Obviously, I know of Mitrovic. He's, he's a pretty, you know, he, he will that's score goals for Fulham if he gets if he gets on the pitch. He's massive, though, isn't he? I think he needs to get... He's got to roll his sleeves up and show what a stri- how good a striker he actually is at yep. top level. Um, at Championship, it's all right banging in 20-odd goals a season, but I think he's got to show how actually good he is. And I think if he can bang, bang get in 10, 15 goals, then obviously that will help, help for him massively. But with all due respect, I just can't really see it at this moment in time. Yeah, in my opinion, West Brom, there's not been much investment there. I don't think they've got anywhere near enough to stay up. I think they'll definitely be cut adrift and they'll go down. Fulham, like you said, Mitrovic is a goal scorer. He's a physical presence. He's a target man. There's a lot of positives to come from that. Uh, I've seen some good play from uh, Josh Onoma as an attacking mid. Yeah. I like the manager at Fulham. I think that yeah. they'll be hungry. They'll be tenacious. They'll fight to survive. They've got a chance. I'm not going to write them off. I think they've got a chance. But I think they'll come up just short. I mean, you've got Tom Kearney there. I, I like him as a player. Very dynamic midfielder. Uh, good captain as well. Seems like a real captain for the people. And like say, like Scott Parker there. You know, ex-player himself. He knows exactly what, what he needs. But again, it's all about investment as well. And I just feel that they might just fall a little bit short. Village, love him. Great character. But like I said, no real investment on massive players. They bought Matthew Pereira, who was on loan anyway last year. Fantastic quality player, but I feel that they need more people up at the top yeah, of they've the They've got pitch. that West Ham dude that prompted Mark Noble to yes. kick off with the yes. board. Garner, another great talent, fantastic at championship level, good at Premier League, but again, you need another four or five for those sorts of players. I just, I mean, you never, you never know. Charlie Austin might bang in 10, 15 goals, and there I am again being shut up. But I, at this moment in time, I just feel that those two are probably going to be cut adrift, and then it's like one of six 
<laughs> All right, so let's look at our um, our other picks then. Uh, my other pick, I've gone for Brighton. This is a team that they had a terrible record of not winning away from home. And now they've not got the home fans there for any games, which is one way to look at it. For me, they've, they've struggled for goals. They've played some attractive football at times, and uh, I do think that Graham Potter's done a reasonably good job there. But I worry of where the goals are going to come from. I do think they'll eat goals. I don't think that they're going to be very consistent at all. I worry for them. It was, it was a tough one, though. The team, Both teams you've mentioned, I've, I'd add them in, in mind as well. It's going to be pretty tight down there for that last spot, isn't it? Yeah. West Ham, absolute mess. Shambles. You get a week before the start of the season and Noble comes out on social media and starts basically disagreeing with sales and basically sticking middle fingers up at the owners and manager. It's hardly a great thing for a fan to see and for players. It obviously shows that there's not the harmony there. I mean, for last last year, they just blacked their way out of it. I mean, and like I said to you earlier on, Antonio really just about single-handedly with Shusek just just pulled them over the line. They can't get into that sort of position again, but I can just see it happening. They haven't invested anything yet. There's talk of Targovsky going from Burnley to them. But why would he? It's just no, no, no. There's no law really there for him. I mean, Declan Rice is still there, which is one thing for them. But I I just can't see, there's always this black cloud, isn't there, over them that they just can't seem to to get over. And it's this problem with the owners and they, they feel that the fans have felt like they've been screwed over, sort of, and... West Ham fans do seem very temperamental and anyway. <laughs> but I just feel that the players that they've got are really players that want to win. They just take the money and cut it at the moment. I might be proved wrong, but that's how I feel at the moment. With the other clubs, I, it, again, it's a tight thing of over, I think, about three or four clubs that, I could list that would be down in the 18th place at the moment. No, it's a, it's a tricky one. I know that West Ham, at times, they were awful last season. And like you said, there's not that harmony there, which is always a big worry. But I think that having Mikhail Antonio, Thomas Suchet, Jared Bowen, who we've mentioned, Declan Rice, I think they'll have enough to pick up enough points to survive. That, that's That's my gut feeling. I think this Dean Garner thing's really cut the core of a lot of the players as well. If well, if it has, I mean, it could all fall apart. You know, if if they if they yeah. lose the locker room, it really it's, could yeah. spiral this out of control. So I see where you're coming from. I mean, you know, they've got quality players if they rolled up the sleeves. I mean, you know, we see glimpses of Yarmolenko, for example. Oh yeah, absolutely yeah. quality player, no doubt about it. I'd look Same for same with Felipe Anderson as well. Yeah. Another on his day, quality player. Wilshire, who again on his day is a quality player. Yeah. But you just don't see enough of it though. And that's why quick you know, when the when the sleeves needed to be rolled up, you just didn't see the Andersons doing that, do you? Because they've just not got it in their it's not in their being, is it, to battle like that? Mm-hmm. Good shout. You justify that one pretty well. And you went for Burnley. 
if, if they lose Tarkowski, I think they really are in trouble. Um, I, even with Tarkowski, I just, they haven't really bought anyone. And I think there comes a point where I think the wheels are going to come off Burnley. I've just have got this feeling with them. I think Sean Dyche has worked miracles, but at some point, they're just they're just going to struggle. And for me, I've just got a funny feeling it's going to be this season. I, I think they've they've run out of run out of lives in the Premiership, a bit like Bournemouth did last season. No, it's an interesting one. I, I I gave them a lot of thought for relegation. I do every year, if I'm honest, because there's not that much talent in that squad, and there's no investment, like you say. This year they've lost Hendrick and Lennon and they've not really brought anyone in. And I always wonder where the goals are going to come from with Burnley. And if the goals aren't coming in, is that defence going to start leaking? Because if it does, that's just a recipe for relegation. The reason I've not put them on my list is because I think that the lockdown has really helped them. They've they've been one of the best performing teams without fans in the stadiums. That's that's the only thing that swayed me. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I was going to be controversial and say Sheffield United are going to be in the mix this season. I think they probably will be. I really do. I think they're going to struggle this season. You can't go against your team, your second team. I'm, I'm not saying they're going down. I'm just saying I think they're going to struggle this season. <laughs> Bottom of the table at the start of today. Bottom of the table at Christmas. The curse is over. So, are you both ready for a quiz? Sure. Well, then. So, the scores on the doors. Uh, I'm out in front with six wins. Ants, you've got three in, th- in second position. Chris, you need to improve on your one win so far. <laughs> bit, of, <laughs> bit of pressure on you, Chris. Oh, relegation fight. And do you know what else you need to do? On these questions where you get to gamble how many right answers gamble you're going to get. You need to stop passing it over to the person to get them all right. <laughs> I know. It's not very good good percentage, am I? <laughs> Let's see how we do this week. Okay, so to kick things off, fingers on the buzzers. Question one. Ali Dai scored a world record 109 international goals for Iran. In the last round of Nations League fixtures, who closed the gap and scored their 101 goal for their country? Cristiano Ronaldo. Correct. Morning, Chris. Question number two. Which country has qualified for the Euro 2021 tournament and it will be their first ever major tournament they take part in? Finland. Correct. Oh, he's out the blocks fast. And <laughs> you worried? No, he's taking the <laughs> <laughs> No, we get, we get these questions coming on in a minute. Now I just give him like four that he has to get right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll see. All right, question three. Who was the top goal scorer with six goals at Euro 2016? The last year. Was that Chris? Nope. I can't think of 2016. It wasn't Gareth Bale, was it? No, he was joint second with three goals. There was one guy standing out with six goals. Griezmann. Correct. Yeah, comebacks on. (laughs) (laughs) Right, question four. 
which player lifted the Copa del Rey trophy in 1988, 1989, 1991, and 1992, doing so with three different teams over that period. Ben Schultz, Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Atletico. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Bernard, he's going to make an appearance. Every episode, he's going to make an appearance. <laughs> you should change the podcast. Name to Burn Schultz at the bar. <laughs> That's an amazing stat, though, isn't it? Five that years is, in a row. Yeah. All right, so it's uh, 3 1 to Chris. And we're going to move on to the first question where I want you to bid the number of right answers you think you're going to be able to give. So there are nine players who have scored Premier League hat tricks in the opening weekend of the season. How many of them can you name? Go to Ant first for this one. Oh, God. Do you have to? Um, I'll start with three. All right. Four. All right. Any advance on that count? No. I'll give it to Chris. Okay. Ravinelli. Correct. Okay. Sorry. I didn't even think of him. I would have been way out. (laughs) Aguero? No. I'm afraid not. So, Ant, one to steal. Me too. Nope. Unlucky. So you could have had Mo Salah. <laughs> that I didn't think we were doing today's stuff. All right. I, I, I can appreciate that. That's fine. Uh, you could have had Raheem Sterling, Didier Drogba, Gabriel Abonlahor, Dion Dublin, Kevin Campbell. It's a pretty tough list, to be fair. So um, that one's a scratch. Neither of you are getting a point for that question. This remains 3 1 to Chris. Uh, I've got another question of the same format. This one's a bit more interesting. There are 11 transfers for the 2021 season with a value of £25 million or more. How many of them can you name? That goes to Chris first. Have a little thing. In the Premiership. Premier League. Premier League transfers in. I'll start with three and four. Okay. We're waiting for Chris's bid. Okay. Let me go five then. All right. Ant, any advance on five? Six. Chris, can you go seven? I'll try seven. (laughs) And can you name eight out of the 11? Yeah. Go on then, Ant. Havertz. Correct. Ollie Watkins. Correct. Timo Verma. Correct. Chilwell. Yep. How many is that? Four? Four, yep. Um, Van der Beek. Yep. Zayech. Yep. That's six. Can't wait, two more. Uh, what, was the, what was the cutoff? 25? 25, yeah. Torres? No. Ah. 20 million, I'm afraid, for Torres. Chris, do you have one up your sleeve which you can name and steal? Gabriel Marcalis, Arsenal. Yeah, correct. Yes. Oh. Ake, you mentioned Ake. Oh, Ake, fucking Ake. <laughs> you also mentioned Lo Celso. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And uh, the only other one you not mentioned, uh, sorry, two you not mentioned, Rodrigo to Leeds, twenty-seven million, and then Wolves signed Fabio Silva from Porto for thirty-six million. Right, so I, I, Chris... I don't like Chris gambling these questions now. <laughs> no, he's, he's up to his game, hasn't he? He's making it difficult for us. <laughs> I'd like to see Chris name eight though. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> No, that's why I left it, mate. I just have to double, double I normally give up at three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, Chris is 4-1 up after six questions. So um, Ant, pressure's on now. All right, question seven. I'm going to list uh, clubs, and you need to tell me who the player is that played for these clubs. Barcelona C. Barcelona B, Paris Saint-Germain, Rangers, Real Sociedad, Everton, Arsenal. Arteta. Correct. Yeah. Right, 4-2. Question 8. Barcelona B, Barcelona, Everton, Sevilla, Everton, AC Milan, Barcelona, Watford. Oh, Gerald Ant got there first, I'm afraid. Oh! <laughs> It's 4-3. I can't remember his surname. I thought it was Gerald or something. <laughs> right, question nine. Exeter City. Only Watkins. Chelsea. No. <sighs> Exeter City. Chelsea. Red Bull Leipzig. Ethan Apatidou. I'll give you that. Ethan Ampadu. <laughs> no, it's nothing like it. <laughs> All right. Chris, you're 5-3 up now. There's two yes. questions. I've got we'll two draw. questions left, so this would tie it. If, if oh. you tie it, I'll have to come up with a new question. <laughs> All right, so question 10. Aston Villa, Wigan Athletic, Leicester City. I've got a clue. Might be easier if you ignore the Wigan. So just Villa and Mark Brighton. Correct. Yeah, he, had a, he had a loan spell at Wigan before he was deemed surplus to requirements at really? Villa. God. That's a good one, that was. <laughs> right, so that's 6-3 to Chris. He has won the quiz this week. Well done, Chris. We'll give him a chance, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at the smile on his face. <laughs> How long has it since we won one? <laughs> was it week one you last won? <laughs> I think it was, yeah. Oh. It was a testing one, probably. <laughs> was it the tester episode? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. See, I'm, I'm torn now when on the next quiz because I'm I'm hosting it. So, who who do I aim it towards? Because I don't want Dan to go too far ahead. I don't want Chris to catch me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a load of questions about Liverpool and Wales players. Yeah, probably won't get it. <laughs> right, so um, that wraps up the quiz. Uh, again, uh, with the socials, please get in touch if you've got any lists that you'd like us to do in future episodes or if you've got any comments you'd like to make on lists that we've done previously and take issue with any of those. So we're on Facebook at VAR at the Bar. You can find us on our host site, Launchpad, VAR at the Bar again. At Twitter, VAR at the Bar 1. And if you want to send us an email, it's VAR at the Bar 2020 at gmail.com. So that's episode 11 wrapped up. So it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And we'll catch you next time.
Social Podcast Network.